Well, it's a key. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, let the cat in. <laughs> Is that Lenny? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, we started. Hey, Lenny can join. Run that back. Get Lenny on the pod. He's right. Is he on What not? I know the date. I know the year the movie was released. That's the most important part. Nineteen eighty five. Nineteen eighty five. When was when was Solaris released? Nineteen seventy two. Okay. 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 Thirteen years. <clears throat> so Pat, I had this conversation with Kevin the other day, but you know, like Satoshi Khan, right? Yeah. Um, he had an interview with, apparently, with uh, Darren Aronofsky, because that's after Aronofsky did, like, Requiem for a Dream and uh, Black Swan. Mm-hmm. And apparently, he lifted some images from Satoshi Kon's oh, yeah, Perfect, Perfect Blue. Blue. Yeah. And then, so when they got to meet up and do that interview, it was, uh, Aronofsky was saying, like, oh, that was, a mo- I did a... Pastiche. Uh, homage. Is that yeah, called yeah, homage? Yeah. Or homage? Yeah. Yeah. To, yeah, to Satoshi Kon's work, and then... I don't know. Home age. Apparently, like, Satoshi Khan didn't really like that, but because there's a language gap and translation-wise, Aronofsky thought that he was, like, being um, humble. But, like, Satoshi Khan never, like, made money or he didn't become, like, the successful film director that he could have been. And the fact that, like, this famous American filmmaker can, like, be successful and make money off of, like, I mean lifting some of his images and doing his and his own work mm-hmm. um i don't know how do you feel about that like a an artist who's like not as celebrated and will never see the riches of their work after their death because he did die like at a young age mm-hmm. unfortunately like and then you see another artist like i don't know kind of mooching off that yeah. in a way i uh i empathize with con or con but he's he's a Toshi Khan. Like he has <laughs> he has bangers. Mac, you've been so good until right now. <laughs> Mac's yeah, a special I, guest. <laughs> I he he did paranoia. He did paranoia agent. Right, right, dude. I yeah. can't wait to see that. I'm he excited. Did, yeah, and then Perfect Blue again. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're totally good. It'll be, it'll be it'll be it'll uh, be ambience. Are we already? Oh, we're all. We're in. We're yeah, all. we're good. Okay. We're, we're in. Good. I'll fine. redo the intro. Uh, to sorry, the front. sorry, everybody. Uh, you know what it is. It's lay film. We just roll with it. It's right. easy. Yeah. You know, we got Mac. Come here, dude. What's up, man? What are you barking at? Mac's a giant. Oh, so sweet. Mac, you oh, I feel like Mac is taller than I am. Mac is huge. How? Uh, when, does he, he ever is, climb up on he top is, of you? Because he's he's about as tall as I am. Oh my god! Damn, he's a he's, he's a, a big, big old boy. boy. 
He's actually probably taller than me. <laughs> Can you hear those butt pads? He just has to get his couple, you know, thoughts in right at the beginning. His security barks. And then he's gonna chill. What's out there? Easy who's robbing my car? Easy bubble. I love his tail. He's on guard. It's, it's just like perfect. perfect. It's like the fucking, uh, what's it, what's that, uh, the golden circle, or the golden ratio? Oh, uh, the Fibonacci sequence? <laughs> yeah, the, Fim- the Fibonacci, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what his tail is. The golden <laughs> ratio. Mac, you want to play now, huh? You got a bark on the mic? <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's, it's, should, should we redo it, or should we, or whatever? I'll we put this right after the intro. I'll, I'll leave this good. in, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's chill now. Yeah, he's chill. <laughs> but yeah, Satoshi, yeah, uh. I, I do understand what he's saying, though, because, like, he's from not the... I don't know. It's hard to think of, like, outside of the Western, like, you know, we have Hollywood. We have the big the big push, the big media sphere of influence where there's so much stuff that's made by other people in other countries that's just completely overshadowed. And then, yeah, I also empathize with, like, pig-headed Americans, like, the perception of that, like... You st- we've all talked to people who's like, oh, that has subtitles. I can't watch that, or you know, it's not, it's not John Wick six. I can't <laughs> enjoy this. And yeah, I can, as an artist in the outside sphere of that, you can have your like, your homegrown success. But Satoshi, he definitely is like, I think I would say, he transcended it. I would, I'd be like, come on, man, you're, he's he's kind of he's doing a pastiche of you, just like you know an admir. A copy and out of admiration or you know homage but you know i could also feel getting upset that this guy's getting way more credit than uh yeah more people have probably seen black swan than all of his like theatrical releases combined that's true yeah i, I could see that stinging a lot mm-hmm. but then i think i'd also feel good to get the you know recognition from that person themselves but then again it's hard to say because you, we live in the global era. Like, uh, you can you can fly Satoshi out. If Aronofsky, if you're such a fan. Are you doing pastiche? Like, that's my dream. Like, that is true. Yeah, yeah like, Mira... you should have done that. Yeah, like, Norm Macdonald's has passed. Mira has passed. All I got left... Well, I got a couple, but, like, number... Like, my number one currently is Anno. Like, that is the absolute dream. To, like, fly him out and be like, look at this edit. <laughs> You're like, this is all you, baby. Yeah, this is like, like, what do you think? Uh, pl- please say, not say it's good, but like, p- please correct me. Please make. <laughs> You're my idol. I'm ripping you off the whole time. Like, what can I do to make it more like your works? And then, also an interview. Like, I don't know. Like, was uh, Aronofsky like going on interviews saying like, oh, Black Swan. You know, it's it's written by this writer. It's a passion project, but also it's heavily. In, was he like given credit throughout the whole marketing well, run, or was he like? I don't. Was I don't, it made? He's I like, oh, Satoshi. Maybe that wasn't. Stuff. Yeah, maybe that's why Satoshi Khan was rubbed the wrong way because it's not like it's all over the movie in the credits or anything. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. But, Special thanks to Satoshi yeah, Khan. Yeah, it's, it's for, just in the shots themselves. Yeah. Like you would, have, you would have had to have seen Perfect Blue in order right. to recognize the compositions. Right. For instance, um, so the bath, the bathtub yeah. scene. Where uh, she's hunched over in the bathtub and it's right. like a aerial view right. of her and it's like replicated shot for shot right. 
in Requiem for for a Dream. Mm. And which is like we were talking about this literally just this morning. Yeah. And like I could see why Satoshi Khan would be if if he had been upset in that moment I I can understand why that was the case because if you're cuz he died far too soon mm-hmm. like far too soon right as he was hitting a stride in terms of uh being able to release things that he was um building up towards so to speak um you could definitely see that in his filmography um and i'm hoping that there is a time where you do make us uh, record paranoia agent is, like that, episode coming. per episode it's coming um, I'm excited for that one. I can't yeah. wait. But I could see why he would be upset by that because it's like there is no explicit reference to it. Um, yeah, it's not like people were lining up to ask the Satoshi Khan to like do some work, you know? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it, it reminds me of this. Um, I I want to say back in like my junior year of high school, I was in a like this English class that really changed my perspective on writing in general um in in the form of synthesis which is where you take a a piece of information from you know a a source and then you take another source and then you blend the two with like your own opinion inside of it you know this is therefore that like that sort of thing um and i remember we had to learn and learn specific words and everything and we had to spell them and like define them without using like a dictionary or anything and one of the words that really stuck with me during one of the quizzes was posthumous which is uh achieving recognition after you pass and for some reason like i always forget that word but i always remember like the impression of the meaning on my brain if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um but whenever i do remember it it, it feels like a Mandela effect where it's like, is that the actual word for that feeling? Because um, with Satoshi Khan, that is absolutely the case. It was all in posthumous. Uh, it was in a posthumous setting that his work was elevated to where it is now. Like Perfect Blue is, to me, one of the greatest animated films ever made, period. Um, and... At the time, I, I haven't done a lot of research into the release of it, if it was successful at that time or not, but for Darren Aronofsky to like actually incorporate a lot of that influence into this, it just goes to show how much it impacted him. However, what you were saying, which is what I think you're getting at, Richie, which is the, the lost in translation aspect of it, where yeah. it's like here you have somebody who's literally dying <laughs> um who has in every single work that they've made up to this point they haven't really received all that much recognition and then here you have like this other up-and-coming filmmaker mm-hmm. like requiem for a dream is i consider um darren Ar- darren aronofsky's like rise to fame like a lot of people could say that it's pie which of course was a short film that really propelled him upwards, but Requiem for a Dream, I can never watch that movie again. I've only seen it once, and I never want to see it again. Um, the whole diet pills segment, 
I had fever dreams of that for days. Um, but I could see why there would be that loss in translation aspect. Where it's like the, the dying artist who didn't really have that much recognition during their lifetime compared to this up-and-coming artist who is now considered to be like the golden child. Mm -hmm. Well, and he's being elevated because he's borrowing ideas from the other person yeah. who nobody knows about, right? The, the black sheep, uh, so yeah. to speak, right? That's, so, where, yeah. Yeah, that's where my opinion boils down to if, if Colin is in the uh, special thanks for Requiem for a Dream, right? then I think like, okay, he's, he's kind of in the wrong to be upset. Right. That's just my perspective. But if he's not, like, special thanks is free. Like, we we all done, like, little films. And, like, if anyone helps for an hour, we'll be sure to get their names in the credits. Like, it's... Right. Uh, the only reason it would not be included is out of fear of, you know, being exposed, of, like, not a genius and actually borrowing from others. But, you know, like, there's nothing new under the sun. Kubrick had his influences and all that stuff. That's where I... If Cohen was like, you gotta at least put me in the credits, man. You gotta immortalize me that way because you are from this, you know, by circumstances of birth, you're born in the global leading media sphere, and now you're finding success in that, and I'm an inspiration for you. Like, please write my name on, you know, put my name in the credits. Give me credit there, at least written forever. And if it's not there, I'd be pissed too. I'd be like, come on, man. Like, it's you gotta do more than just copy my shot and say. You know, people who know will know. Because, right. Yeah. People who, people won't know because people won't know me, but they know, they'll know you. And I would have appreciated the. Exactly. Yeah. The recognition that you're going to receive from, you know, the recognition you're going to receive because I, I can't get it just out of circumstance. And then, yeah, that's where I'd be like, if you're an Aronofsky, you got to do that. It's free. It doesn't. Yeah. What's wrong with saying someone inspired you? And yeah. Uh, yeah, brilliant artist. It's not like... I, if anything, you're just going to put more people on. Yeah. On, exactly. On good shit. Yeah, and then the next Aronofsky... And if you put on good shit, then <laughs> yeah. more people are going to like it. Yeah. But then also... That is an excellent philosophy, Tyler. <laughs> but we live in America. Yeah. you got to be the number one you breadwinner. Yeah. yeah, you have to like step on like countless other people in order to... Yeah, you gotta say your shit's your uh, fucking original. Way. Like, oh, you're the originator of this shit, you know? Yeah. Like, I did Empire Strike Back, but like backwards or something. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no value in that, but, you know, David even Lynch? For, even for like, like this is off top, but like sports, like when they talk, like reporters, like mm -hmm. when they talk about who, who broke the story first, but it'll be like a story that was going to break regardless within the next minute and a half but it'll be like oh so and so pat mcgill broke it broke it first even though everybody all knew it was gonna happen mm -hmm. but yeah know, like somebody has to be the yeah you gotta source it you know you the gotta, number like, one guy who who really broke the story that's so weird yeah like, like they always do it they'll be like oh uh so like ronaldo blah 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 signed with yeah whoever source blank yeah Sources per from Adam Schefter or whoever it is. Yeah, that, that gives you incentive. But but it's so fleeting though. It's like who's gonna remember that twenty years from now? It's like yeah. is somebody gonna write that in the Wikipedia page on your life? No, <laughs> like, maybe. But it's like For who Adam the fuck Schefter, is gonna yeah. like go back and like maybe one person, like. Yeah, breaking the story is a little smaller scale. 
but that's where like the credit drives the desire to pursue that story. I get if it's credit. like if it's a powerful, like profound story. Yeah. Like if you like like the Watergate and all that, like yeah. that's like you deserve to be recognized. Mm-hmm. But you know if yeah if it's LeBron James chooses what team he's going to and it like. Whoever broke the story, it's like who who cares who broke the story? We all we're gonna know regardless. You, you know what it you know what it feels like? It it feels like the ebb and flow of like waves crashing on the shore. It's like, oh it's so great that this wave like really rose in two feet taller than the previous one, but now it's gone and it's forgotten. And now it's coming back again. And this time it's like half inch further in <laughs> from the previous one. That's why I say it's who cares? But also but like like the drive for that person to break the story. Yeah, people. Yeah, is the one to be credited. The recognition, though, at the yeah. same time. So, because that's how you jeopardize. You can't it. hate on it. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many contradictory. I mean, there's so many co- contradictory elements to it all, that creates like this weird ambivalence in a strange sense. Huh. I guess. Have you guys ever seen that show called The Americans? Mm-hmm. I'm aware of that. I didn't get to finish the final season, but that show was amazing. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. It's about the Soviet spies. Apparently, the the show creator, he was always being monitored by the FBI while he's, like, creating and making the TV show. Because it is, some of it's based off of his experience, like, working for, like, um, Mm -hmm. I believe CIA or something. Yeah. Like, working in espionage. It's, like, the best espionage I've ever seen. Like, it makes James Bond look like a child. Like, um... It's such a good, dark spy show with Kerry Russell and, um, fuck, uh, I forgot the Irish actor's name, but he's so good. Um, such an underrated show, but, like, it's so dark. Um, I don't know, yeah, Matthew Reese as, as, like, husband and wife, like, it's like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but, like, way more serious and super, like, really great the way they, like, have intelligence and communication back then. How you like send um what's the word like um subliminal like communication so you don't get caught mm-hmm. being like these russian spies in america yeah. it's, it's it's such a good show like the couple that that use the jello recipe or something something like that yeah yeah based on reality i like the uh i've seen uh have you guys seen citizen four i think i heard that one I haven't seen that yeah it's pretty shocking in that it's like a documentary of uh, the journalist who was in contact with Edward, Edward Snowden, Snowden. Uh, yeah. like right before, it's like the week before, two weeks before, he released all those classified documents and had to flee the country. Right. And yeah, just thought, it's pretty, it's pretty insane. The whole vibe. Damn. Yeah. And we're at the, you know, like Tarkovsky is going to be not teachable soon. <laughs> Even though it's kind of unthinkable, but you know. It's kind of weird that we live in this... And again, back to Satoshi Kon's, I think, ambivalence. Why is Tarkovsky not teachable? He's a, he's a, he's a Soviet. He's an evil Soviet who can't be... Tra- no, he transcends, like, Kubrick. But, you know, like, I... Yeah, God, remember when the war kicked off? There was film festivals what, dropping Russian I, directors. I know what you're talking about, Pat. It's yeah. like the demonization Dude, there was yeah. of our culture. Just pouring out, like, Stoli and... Yeah. Russian vodka just pouring it down their See, drain. See, that's the thing. It's like every era has to have a demon to rally against. It's it's this whole tribalism that's like fueling. <laughs> Dude, that's 
We've talked but why, about this but why so waste, many times why before. Why waste a good film made by Tardos? a good see? But a, that's the thing. A good Russian person. It's good it's, vodka. It's, it's, it's fuel to the fire. <laughs> that's is, all though. it is. That's all it is. It's fuel to the fire. Because it was kind of cool. I remember going to like bars and being like, "I'll take your, I'll take those." Or like, or I was like working the bar. People were like, "Oh, can I get a Moscow Mule?" I'm like, do you want to call it Moscow Mule or do you want to call it a uh, Ukrainian Mule or whatever? <laughs> 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 And then you get plus two on the tips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like with the Americans, the FBI monitored them. Like, and again, there's a outside of Satoshi Kon being resentful of just Aronofsky's privilege in that he's in the Hollywood system in a way. There's also like, oh, this like, uh, like Viva Cuba. Yeah, Viva Cuba. Yeah. It's like an adorable, like very wholesome, like 2000, early 2000s, like film from Cuba. And then, but, you know, you think, like, we have embargoes on Cuba. Like, they can't export that movie. They can't. For, like, yeah, what, yeah, the classic thing. Like, what's their great sin? I don't know. But it's all political, whatever sphere stuff. And they're, yeah, this, this great film is like, no, actually, you guys can't watch it. It's not allowed to be present in the media discourse. So, yeah, Satoshi Kon's like, I'm just outside of your sphere, even. And I'm not getting credit. And you're, you know achieving laurels on my direct shots put me in the special things and yeah and then yeah obviously if you're a direct enemy you're not gonna get any credit at all yeah yeah so just let that sink in watch yeah watch movies from you know the historical the theoretical enemy like, I've seen lots of Vietnam movies, but I've never seen, outside of The Scent of Green Papaya, I don't think I've seen any, like, direct made-in-Vietnam f- made movie or a made-in-Vietnam movie about the Vietnam War. Right. It's yeah. always, like, the shoot-and-cry American version. And uh, for new listeners, Pat's referencing an episode that we did a while back. I believe it was Richie's pick. Mm-hmm. The Scent of Green, green Papaya. Which, to me... I don't remember the details of, but like, I remember the experience. I remember it was the most tranquil <laughs> viewing ever. Dude. Claire de Lune playing yes. in those oh, yeah. open windows of like, oh, dude, that architecture. Oh, yeah, uh, where it's just so... Didn't it have like a tree growing yeah, inside cor- of the home? The courtyard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah the like, open, to open me, house. To me, that is a desire that I, that I want to have in my own life. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's achieving one with nature. Mm-hmm. Exactly, Pat. But yeah, the American Vietnam movie is about, you know, Americans with machine guns, you know, crying about their friend killed or like, like that. Oh, what was the movie? They're on drugs. They're on drugs. They're crying about killing civilians and how hard it is on them, even though they're civilians being killed and like horrible, horrible things right. happening. Yeah. And then, yeah, like fucking God, what is that? Who made the West Wing? Oh yeah, Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin. He did that recent movie about the trial, the Vietnam yeah, protesters. The, Ch- the Chicago trial or something. Yeah, yeah. and then, yeah, and then Chicago Eight. Yeah, the trial of the Chicago Eight. Is that a TV show? West Wing was a TV show, but the trial of the Sor- yeah. Chicago Eight or Seven. That's a movie, yeah. Yeah, but in that like the small change of the pro the the advocates in real life like read out the casualties of civilians and soldiers. For some reason, Aaron Sorkin making a movie for the American audience is like, oh no, they're just going to read the names of American soldiers. That's all we care about. Yeah. 
that like such a small insidious just evil decision of like yeah if yeah and picture being a vietnamese director <laughs> another american is like you know stealing the pastiche of your work and achieving fame and he's going to lunch with Aaron Sorkin, who's like, oh yeah, I, I took out the civilians from the Vietnam War because, you know, I want Americans like it. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> I could see, yeah, bringing a gun to meet that meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but, you know, it, it it's, it's hard to think of the outsider perspective in a way. Yeah, because it's like we're conditioned not to experience yeah. it that way. Um, oh, oh, shit. Wait, okay, all right, there we go. <laughs> Sorry, I, I uh, accidentally mispressed something on the mixer. Um, but yeah, we're not conditioned to experience uh, existence outside of our own culture, mm-hmm. in a way. It's like we're, we're inoculated to experience like this, this American way. It's bubble. We're just in a little bubble. It's yeah, exactly. so insidious too. Yeah, exactly. And it's like we get like little tastes of um outside cultures, like only the only the necessities though. It's like, Whoa. oh, like this is history, that sort of thing, but it never really gets into the actual like detail of it all. I feel mm. like you don't though I feel like you really don't know what it is though until you actually like leave the country. Oh yeah. And go like experience another country. Hey, but- have you done that before? Yeah, yeah. Where, where'd you? Oh yeah, you went oh, to the, uh, yeah Costa Rica. Costa, Costa Rica is like the first time I really did it. Mm-hmm. Where I was just like, wow, it's just this is a whole different place in the world. It's just so different. Everything looks different. The weather's different. The people look different. They talk different. Everything. It's just well, but well, everybody's still like human and just cool, and you know, you can just talk to people, and it, it, yeah, it was. A, beautiful place what were uh some of like the standout impressions that like left a mark on you uh the food for sure like all the food was like farm to fork Mm. just you know it was doesn't that feel so alien yes like it was like you could you could tell it just wasn't processed like it was just real it It just caught out of the real food it just looked like it you could tell and then the people there, everyone was super, because like you know they could tell we're tourists, and like sometimes we can, um, like you know we can't speak full Spanish sometimes, and like they can't obviously speak English because why would they? Like they don't need to know English. Yeah, they just live there. But they'd be like still hella cool, like and just super accommodating, and like just uh, like. We were, like, kicking it, like, at this same place for, like, three nights. I got, like, hella cool with, like, four of the bartenders. And, like, they all just loved me. And I was just, like, chopping it up with them for, like, like about soccer or whatever. Like, it was just cool to just, like, oh, damn, I just met this guy from, like, across the world. And, like, we could still, like, have, like, stuff in common, even though we grew up completely different. Like, it's just wild. It's Tyler- sure. and, and, like, the way that they, like, you could, like, just the way they live, it's just way different. Like, in, like as a bartender, too, because I'm, like, a fellow bartender. So that's part of the reason why I, like, got in with them cool. But, like, yeah, it's just, it's cool to see different perspectives and stuff. You know what that's telling of? You're human. That's, like, the ultimate form of humanity. Being able to transcend some made-up boundary on this little tiny marble that we live on in order to connect with another person who belongs to the same tiny little dot in this dark and expansive universe. 
like that is one of the purest forms of connecting with another person where it's like culture doesn't even exist like it's like it doesn't even like need to be a thing at that point like you're just there talking with them Mm -hmm. as an equal and you just like learn so much because like you know everything like the way that we grew up out here in america is just so much different i feel like than everywhere else in the world so I think they're. I always think they're more human. <laughs> I'm a little, yeah, I'm more like prejudice of our American lifestyle. Like Memoria, that one that really captured the vibe. Like I felt like Tilda Swinton. Like if I went to Colombia, I would definitely just be like, like quietly wandering around, like aimlessly, and like poking my head in a door. I'm like, oh, okay, and then like feeling like an outsider the whole time. You just see like a live band performing. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, these people are like living life. Like oh I, I'm I'm just you know walking along. <laughs> See, but there's a there's so much beauty to that though because it's like, imagine if you hadn't been there like yeah. a week prior to your actual visitation, would the band have been there to begin with? I, and it's I, like it's like theater at that point. Yeah. I think they would have been there, and I'm fortunate to have seen it. But I'd be I'd still I'd frame everything in like my outsider perspective always. Maybe that's like a different archetypal person I am but I just feel so pessimistic like the uh yeah the hyper reality of everything the whole like wandering in an unknown territory reminds me of your film that you picked today called Angel's Egg Angel's Egg yes uh on the special lay film episode we're watching a film with probably four to five pages of dialogue and uh yeah it's from 1985 uh the third Mamoru Oshii film, I believe I've picked. Uh, the first two being Ghost in the Shell 1 and 2. Uh, celebrated Japanese director. I just love Oshii's work. We're going to have to get the Jinro. Yeah, Jinro. That's the, that's one that's been on the back burner. It's on the back burner. Wolf the Red Brigade. Yeah, the Wolf Brigade. Uh, why didn't you shoot the girl? <laughs> just, just a line that hits so hard. And then... Uh, the Red Spectacles, I've gotten that downloaded. Uh, Avalon. I bought it like an Italian DVD that I couldn't play on my computer before I found it on the deep web. But yeah, just... He's just a... Uh, he's a very niche, I feel, director. He loves the cyberpunk, the Christian imagery, like from an outsider perspective, like the Tree of Life is in Ghost in the Shell. It's an angel's egg. Uh, there's a lot of biblical references. Uh, Ghost in the Shell is Ecclesiastes. as like the closing line for Matoko's, you know, descending her or describing her transcendence. You know, the great. So, and then even he does, I think, Buddha, Buddhism and innocence. Like Ghost in the Shell is like when I was a child, my thoughts and actions were that of a child. And now that I've transcended that, I have no need for those former ways. I just love his work that, like, I don't know, cyberpunk setting, there's like Blade Runner, and then it kind of all gets derivative of that. Just, uh, but yeah, just Ghost in the Shell is one of those things that resonates, where it's, it's cyberpunk in its own way, and then it just, it touches on core concepts that cyberpunk is meant to challenge of, like, humanity, and then it goes back to biblical concepts of what it is to be a human. Yeah, and if you're a, a brand new listener to the show... Uh, Pat's referencing two of his previous picks Mm -hmm. that we have uh, recorded episodes on, which is Ghost in the Shell 
first film, of course, and then Ghost in the Shell 2, Innocence. Yeah. So definitely check those two out if you uh, want to dive deeper into the uh, the cyberpunk web. Yeah, I, I, it's probably the best cyberpunk in my opinion. Ghost in the Shell and then the TV series is as well. Cyberpunk Edge Runners was also really cool. It's, I enjoyed that film. Or it, I enjoyed that show. Yeah, it's good, but... It was refreshing. It's refreshing. It was like, it's not full Blade Runner. It's like its own yeah. thing. Yeah, but, it's its own thing. But in a, in a time where there, it's very dry right yeah. now. Even the Netflix Ghost in the Shell is like Blade Runner. The Netflix Ghost in the Shell is like Blade Runner, and it gets me so mad. There's like metahumans. I'm just like, we've already done this in 95. Don't talk about... I don't want to know about replicants and Ghost in the Shell. I want Ghost in the Shell to be about the... Uh, an extremist I think it's standalone complex too but yeah there's like an there's something called the the individual 11 it's like a political write-up that radicalizes people and the whole show is about like does the writing itself like the meaning of the words radicalize people or is the writing actually subconsciously programming people to be radicalized and then characters are like what's the difference <laughs> you know in the age of programmability like if you're brain is artificial like a computer it can be hacked it's just like such a rich concept of like you know like are these people extremists because they believe in the cause or were it sounds they... like today yeah it's, it's it sounds like time. right now <laughs> it's so ahead of its time we're, we're being programmed constantly and now it's the algorithm's getting all powerful it's yeah. like you know what that reminds me of um i'm reading a book right now called for i think i've talked about it before on um Either a previous episode or I don't know something. Yeah, but, but the, um, the moon god. Oh no no that was um. The moon is a harsh mistress. Yeah, the moon is a harsh oh. mistress, which I finished, which was amazing. Um, but it's this other book that I'm reading called um, Four Thousand Weeks, um, a mortal's guide to time to time management, and it's talking about like this idea of um spending time usefully, because uh, it's like. Whenever you think that you're on top of your time, when, you know, you're tending to cleaning your apartment or um, finishing your to-do list and everything, it's like the only thing you're doing is creating more room to do more to-do lists. And it's like this really weird cycle of an endless productivity loop where you're not necessarily that, that doing... like my life. Dude, yeah. and, and that's the thing. It's like... The author uh, is talking about like how they used to be like this uh, this junkie when it came to like to do lists and like managing their time properly, like attending seminars and like that sort of thing, in order to get on top of it. You know, life hacks kind of thing. Mm. When it's like that shit doesn't exist. It's a myth, okay. and it's like if anything, yeah. it's it's just it's just an endless infinity loop. I'm not going to try that hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, and, and, and the whole book is like getting, it's getting to the root of being content with spending the time that you have in the way that you already are. And it's like choosing to prioritize at least like three different things at any given time and, and recognizing the fact that you will be distracted by things that are engineered to distract you. For instance, with like social media and everything like that, it's like, it's okay to, to realize that this stuff is going to distract you, but you have to be like aware of when it is distracting you and how to exit out of the rabbit hole 
you know, to actually have, like, some sort of, like, you know what it reminds me of is, um, you know those old school diver suits where they used to have, like, the, the air tube? Yeah, that where it was, like, the giant, like, iron, like, uh, head, um, gasket or, I don't know, something, some shit like that. Um, but it's, like, recognizing your own limitations with it in order to, like, be on top of it in a, in a, in a way, uh, to me, it feels like compromise in that way. But that's that's what it reminds me of, is like being more aware of your time, so to speak. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I feel like I, de- I derailed. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm just trying to like... I, I'm like... Maybe I should have some more of this. Uh, yeah, Jameson. 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 <laughs> yeah, in, in case anybody hasn't We're all yeah. quite yet. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, yeah. This. Angel's Egg is a bit of a deviation from the typical, like, aware of contemporary life from Maroshi. Like, it's not. Avalon is, like, kind of matrixy. Uh, Ghost in the Shell is cyberpunk. Jinro is, like, alternate history, modern fascist Japan. You know, it's kind of like it's it's set in modern times, and the Red Spectacles is a continuation. So Pat, I mean, Angel's Egg's more meditative. It's, it's kind of like an obvious like. I mean, it seems like you've already answered this question, but why Angel's Egg? I wanted out of to, all the films. Yeah, I I I thought it was time. I wanted to rewatch it, and it's gotten better for me. I like it a lot more than the first time I watched it. And I just wanted to force all of you to watch another Memorial Oshi film. And then I wanted to, uh, uh, we've already had a little bit of a pre-debate about the uh, ending, which I won't spoil now, but. Oh, yes. There's a, there's a, there's a split, I feel, between if it's a happy ending or a sad ending or, you know. I argue to the hill it's a happy ending in a way. And there's a lot of connections to that. I'm going to argue. Um, I don't feel very good watching this movie, Patrick. <laughs> you don't feel good? <laughs> My whole thing watching this movie was like, damn, I just can't wait. Yeah. I just can't wait for, to talk about it on the pod. Yeah, because you that know too. Pat is going to have some great... Yeah. I, mean, yeah, I can't wait to ramble and just tell oh, you guys. Discussion. <laughs> I know you all, you're all, you all are. You're all going to have some bangers. I'm like, because <laughs> I need them. I'm like... That's I need some help. See, that's the thing, though, is that this is my second time viewing it. And I was telling Richie earlier, I still feel like the plot goes way above my head. But this time around, I feel like I caught on a little bit more to what it was getting at. And Richie, you mentioned something that, like, didn't you say that, like, uh, you you read or saw something where, the, uh, where Ishii was basically saying that they didn't even know what it was about? Yeah. Like, he doesn't know what it's about, so... I mean, you mentioned, like, the Mandela effect, so you kind of can interpret it however you feel like you can, but for me, that's kind of a cop-out, because I'm just like, well, this has to mean something, or this has to go somewhere, this has to be some A to B kind of, you know, beginning, middle, end no. kind of thing. And there is. At least for me, that's. but I don't know. Some things didn't make... I don't, I don't know, you can tell how I feel, be. but some things I felt like didn't make too much sense to me, and I'm, 
still kind of thinking about that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I got the pet A to B to C to Z. I got all lined up. Everything, everything has significance. See, and, and Pat put me onto this film. Oh, yeah. there, was, there was a time, a long time ago, We're where students. we both got together and we both had hard drives yeah. where we just gave each other films that we downloaded. Because Angel's Egg, I have no idea where people are going to be able to find this movie to watch. Um, good luck to you. Yeah. Yo, let me get let me get one of your guys' one of those hard drives. Oh, so <laughs> he's growing. Uh, o- Oshi's a hard one. Yeah, he's a very difficult uh, person to find films for. Like even Jinro is very difficult to find. At I mean, when I first watched it, it was very difficult. Yeah, but- Avalon. That's I got that a year ago. That's yeah. like, I wanted it for four years, and I got it only a year ago. You're gonna give this guy credit, right, over Darren Aronofsky, given Cohen's credit? Oshi? Yeah. More Oshi? Yeah, he's, he's up there with Anno. Yeah, I, he is. He's, he's, he's basically like the undercurrent to Anno. Yeah. All, all the revenue we'll get from this episode will go to, <laughs> go to him, but it's like, what? Is there, is there a way for us to just start our own streaming service for all these movies that are absolutely impossible for people to find? Like it, it would have to be on like a, a torrent site. Yeah. We just have to have or just like the best lawyers ever. See, <laughs> and that's the thing. Like this, this is getting, uh, this is making me uh, remember when we did the episode on August in the Water. Like that mm-hmm. filmmaker, uh, Gaku Ryu Ishi. He's like another figure in that same kind of way that Mamoru Oshii is for you, Pat. Mm-hmm. I feel that same way with Ishii. Um, and I follow this guy on Instagram, and he doesn't have that many followers oh. followers at all. But he posts like this new film that he's coming out with after like years of not doing anything, and it's like him inside of it. And I feel like it's it's this uh, weird mashup of him and his students. Cause he's a professor, mm-hmm. um, and I like comment on his posts, and it feels so surreal yeah. to like interact with this figure who is like on level with like Hideaki Anno, yeah. and like Mamoru Oshii yeah. for like influences. The, yeah, it's like the Aronofsky thing. The dream is to like get the big studio to make my Ghost in the Shell TV series. And like I have the script, and there's like an episode made, and I'm like, you, I, out of my pocket, I'll fly Oshi out to like look at it and be like, please, like I'll cry, <laughs> just I'm gonna cry meeting them, and then like please, like tell me it's not dog shit, please tell me I'm at least close, and that's all I need. I'll, I'm so happy, and thank you so much, and I'm gonna thank you at every award. <laughs> Or, like, if anyone asks me a question, I'm like, just watch Ghost in the Shell 95. Like, <laughs> my stuff is dog shit. And that's where I was like, the Satoshi Kon thing. is like, with, and then Kentaro Mira. I want to rip off, like, an arc of Berserk. And, like, I just wanted him to see it. Yeah, we were just talking, Richie was uh, talking to me about that earlier this week. About, like, the most, or the long-awaited hiatuses of, like, animes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm, I'm trying to get back into watching anime a bit more, and... I was wondering, like, what's the longest time you've ever waited for a continuation of an anime? Because apparently they're pretty known for, like... Yeah, it depends on the... Having some pretty long wait times, so... Some never get finished. Yeah. Berserk has only gone, like, the golden age, and then a little bit beyond. Apparently it took, like, four years for Attack on Titan to get, like, mm-hmm. season two or something, right? It's like season two made, or I, I remember season two being greenlit, greenlit fast because 
it was a hit. Like everyone was reading the manga, everyone was watching the series. But yeah, it took like didn't Attack on Titan finish like a year ago? Is or it finished already? I haven't I haven't caught up, but no, they're doing a part three. They're still the not catching. Whoa, the there's a lot of parts to yeah. this, man. So this should be the final release. Yeah. This next one. And Berserk was in the '80s, <laughs> and I only found out about it like. 2013 what, like the manga or the anime the manga okay was the, the anime was like 90s the anime is in the 90s and then like they had a continuation or like a they've, follow-up or a reboot right yeah like, they've done they've done the anime in the 90s and then a series of films that covered the same stuff basically but shorter and mm-hmm. then there was there was like a recent anime that went a, a bit beyond what's been covered already but like, there's no lost children arc. There's no boat. There's <laughs> there's so much missing. And yeah, it's so much only power. the conviction arc, right? Yeah, and then even then, far, you don't get the redemption of certain characters in the conviction arc. That like, I don't know, Berserk. It's one of those things where the dream is always to do a pastiche of these other works, and then like, not even get approval, but just like the way like I'm I'm a, like a diehard fan of Ano. So is the point of this podcast is to like elevate other people that don't have the recognition that they deserve? Or I I personally feel like that's always been one of the core truths mm-hmm. of this podcast. I mean, because it's like our whole. I mean, I don't even know if it's like a slug line, but like we're trying to promote like the hidden gems of yeah. like cinema, um, and of course, like there's going to be like some bigger gems that are like more noteworthy we did three billboards but like i missed the boat on three billboards yeah it's like it's like stuff that like flies under the radar and i feel like that's what we've always tried to like you know expose to other people which is why i will die on the hill of uh your pat's comparison to um us being like the uh the critics from um lost illusions yeah (laughs) and it's like no i don't view us like that at all like and once again if you're like a new listener go back and listen to our episode on lost illusions um that film is basically about like the pure was it like the uh it it was in um the artistic drive versus like marketable critiques like there's youtube there's like, we're nobody. Like, yeah. They were like headline takes. Exactly. It's like, like oh, go like read this book. Grab your attention. Yeah. Or, you know, people get paid to like say, oh, well, this this source material is shit. Yeah. yeah slandering. The Joker's going to have theaters shot up and all that. Like, we're, yeah. yeah. For we're instance, not that stuff. For instance, like for like, mu- for people who like look for new music, it's like, do they go to Pitchfork? Do they go to like the needle drop on like YouTube or like anything like that? It's like, what are these leading curators saying about these albums they're going to be the ones dictating what it is that you go out and like look for next Mm -hmm. even if you don't think that they are dictating they kind of are um i don't view us as being that at all i view us as like pure yeah we we go for the things that interest us and we just try to share it with other people it's like we don't get anything out of this we don't get paid we don't get fan mail we don't get anything from this yeah we got if we got paid we would bash shit (laughs) for sure I think that's why we won't get paid (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah like August in the Water water, uh, Tyler has like two big hits for me Confessions and Wild Tales like I would have never heard of those I would have never watched those but now those like films like burned into my memory. 
Yeah. That's what I feel like. That's what the goal I have picking movies is. And that's yeah. what I that's what I feel like Angel's Egg is. Mm-hmm. But what were you gonna say, Tyler? Uh no, I mean I I, I think I no, I got it. I I pretty much said it. Alright. Yeah. I mean, if I, we were I, gonna pay it, yeah, we would <laughs> sell that probably. I mean, yeah. Like I'm just saying if we were getting paid, we'd probably do a lot of like Hollywood stuff, so obviously like you know, there'd be some hating going on. Oh, if it yeah. was this po- if, it, if it was this group of guys. It'd be fun to yeah. But I don't think they'd pay us. Would they, unless they'd let us do exactly what we do now, then we would never hate. Yeah. But if we were control, we, if we didn't get to pick the movies, you know, if it was just what the machine brought out to us, we had to watch what came out recently. Uh, uh, I want to see M Night's uh, Knock the, at the Cabin. Knock the Cabin. See that? I want to see that. I yeah. want to see that next Monday. That's M Night. I'm thinking of like yeah. the next, the next Disney movie. Fucking Shazam or something. I don't know. Oh, that is coming up. Yeah. I haven't had no. I haven't even seen the first one. So, Ant Man. I'm not seeing that now. I haven't seen whatever Avengers superhero you can think of. That's the movie that's. I haven't seen a Marvel movie in a minute. It's been a while. We'd get paid, but like we still say good things about. What What would we say about Ant Man? Paul Rudd's cool. Paul Rudd is. I like Paul Rudd. We had the same birthday. My birthday twin. I love that man. I but, love Paul Rudd. But it's not Angel's Egg. It's not <laughs> Angel's Egg. See, to no. me, like, I feel like this whole topic of um, discussing Satoshi Kon with, like, uh, you know, Darren Aronofsky pulling from his work applies to Angel's Egg in a way that I can't even fathom. Because to me, this animation is, like, the inspiration of, like, so many... Like, I mean, of course, like, I get, like, inspirations of, like, Belladonna of Sadness, mm-hmm. for instance. Like, that's hyper-present Tarkovsky's in, in Angel's Egg. Yeah. And then, of course, like, Tar- Tarkovsky as well, like, with Solaris. Like, even, like, the space station, like, kind of vibe. The reeds in the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The reeds in the water from the opening shot of Solaris is definitely hyper-present. And, like, that entire spirituality of, um... Or that spiritual ambivalence of being in flux, mm-hmm. where it's like you don't necessarily have like that anchor point to uh, stake your beliefs in, but you're trying your damnedest to hold on to whatever to whatever it is that you have been holding on to, which is like this whole parallel to what it is that this one of the main characters is like clinging on to for dear life in a way. Oh yeah. Oh, hey, we haven't done uh, Angel's Egg, nineteen eighty-five, Moroshi. We haven't we haven't given the log line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's about a young girl who uh, is in a mysterious land that seems to be devoid of life, and she has a religious devotion to an egg that she carries under her shirt. And then uh, a mysterious man appears, and then uh, you know the rest of the film carries on from there. Yeah, it gives me a Adam and Eve vibe. For yeah, sure, yeah. and I feel like these two characters, although it's not explicitly told to us as the viewer, that they're they seem like they're connected in a way, and maybe they're, I don't know, relatives or a brother and sister kind of bond, and it's starting to make more sense to me thinking about like these uh, biblical references. 
It's 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 uh, Mamoru Oshii again. It's chalk to the gills. I was gonna say. References. I feel like it's just like I was getting like slapped in the face with biblical references. The character. Like I feel like once I was like thirty minutes in, I was like, oh, cause like okay. Yeah. I know. I know what we're dealing with right now. A majority of the dialogue from one character is like just the re- the recanting of the story of Noah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Noah's Ark. Yeah, Noah's Ark, not mm-hmm. Joan of Arc. No, no, Noah's Ark. Yeah. Noah's Ark. Yeah. With a little deviation at the end. That's where the. Uh, the beauty of Oshi with the uh, outsider's interpretation comes in, because like Evangelion's very similar, where they grab they grab religious influences about like the Dead Sea Scrolls, the lands of mm-hmm. Loginus, like all this cool stuff in the Bible, and they just make it awesome. So that's an excellent. Um, I mean, sorry to like take it off a little bit that's for like a little bit of a sidetrack. Um, but I was uh I just finished Devil Man Crybaby, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. another religious, heavily religious. Exactly, it's it's incredibly religious um in terms of like its end context, um, and I was kind of expecting a, a an ending similar to End of Evangelion, just because I've like kind of like been exposed to to it. Yeah, I like the original Devil Man inspired Berserk and Ava, I believe. Really? Yeah, it was like in the early eighties. Well, like, then there you go. Yeah. Like, but but it, it, what what really stands out to me is the fact that like these really pivotal stories keep circling back to this age old mythological take of having to relearn or being destined to relearn the same lesson over and over and over and over and over yeah. and over and over again until the end of eternity to where you finally do, do learn the lesson. Yeah. Um, and I hope, yeah, that's not giving away anything. It's, it's basically like, okay, I don't want to say too much, yeah. but, um, but yeah, I, I do, I do know what you mean where it's like, uh, people argue that Gilgamesh is like the, mm. the blueprint for the Bible and with Angel's Egg, we're getting like a third interpretation of like archetypes or archetypal stories. Uh, you know, what's the great? What would you guys categorize as Angel's Egg as? Is it uh, woman versus man, or is it woman versus God, or is it woman versus absence of God? Is it? Yeah. I mean, it could be all of those things. I think it's. I got a cold take. What if it's man versus God? That's that's a billion percent of my, uh, of <laughs> a valid opinion because I could art. I'm in, I'm somewhat for a character that is what it is. I would say. I mean, hu- yeah. human versus God, or I mean, mm-hmm. there's a character yeah, with a stigma. Man, uh, and then yeah, you could argue it so many different ways, mm-hmm. which is why this movie's awesome. Yeah, I don't wanna. It's so hard not to spoil it. Yeah, we just, so just what, dive what were, right in. What were some of your general impressions of this film? Okay, just off the rip, the visuals. The visuals? The visuals. The animation, I knew it was 1985 before I watched it. But yeah, just like the first thing I noticed was uh, her hair. Like in, within like the first 20 minutes, the first third of the film, just her hair. The animation of her hair, I, I felt like it was real. it looked really... Like, just the way, the motion of it and everything, super just the way wavy, it moved, right? and it was super fine and detailed. So I'm like, damn, this is 1985. Like, this is, they, you could tell they put time into it, and then just, yeah, you're just put into a whole nother, a whole nother realm, and, but the way everything's animated, even like his, his, uh, his cross, or his crucifix, and... It's a gun. The, yeah, it, 
Exactly. And, like, is it a gun? You don't know because it's never fired. And then, like, the... I don't even know what to call it. Like, the machine... The, the flesh tank. slash... Taxi, whatever you want to call that, that yeah. you pull up on. He rides in on a tank with a pulse and veins. Yeah. <laughs> and then just... Yeah, just... I feel like just, like, the... Uh, even just, like, the design. Like, the design of the... The set design of the world is just so unlike anything you've ever seen to where it immediately just caught my eye. I was like, okay, I don't really know what's going on story-wise, but I'm super still in, invested in it, just visually-wise. And the uh, music, or the score. The score is haunting. It is chilling <laughs> to yeah. the core. Literally. I got... um. There's like one. There's like one. I think specific score in it that I feel like Elden Ring literally like ripped off from this movie. Was it when they were hunting? Yes. Mm. Yes. Oh yeah. The like the, oh, the choir. I, mean, yeah. I, I, I was telling Richie earlier because we were talking about it. Um, there's three specific things that I that always come to mind for me for this film, and I'll. I'll talk about it more in spoilers, but um, music plays like a huge part in this film for me. Um, Pat, I noticed with you, you're a sucker for choirs. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. For vocal. Classical comes well, in. Well, I mean, that's yeah. Oshi, too, because he does it in uh, Ghost in the Show. Yeah, yeah. The, the like interludes are yeah. amazing. So our music sounds familiar. The wedding chants. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I, I wanted to ask you, what, what about these sorts of uh, musical pieces leave a lasting impression on you? Because I know that, like, we've had conversations about, like, just music in general, mm-hmm. where, like, you've mentioned that, like, you just, like, stay up at night listening to, like, for instance, like, choir pieces of, like, yeah. uh, old Gregorian chants. Oh, yeah, I got the, the from Encounters of the Edge of the World. I got so, the playlist locked in. So like, what about what about that specific type of music really causes you to like come back to it time and time again, or to really embellish it? It feels transcendent for me. I think I like Angel's Egg uses it like the the goddamn intro where mm-hmm. there's like the choir singing. Just so she's, epic. Yeah, but she's like she's like delicately like placing the egg and wrapping it under her shirt so that she looks pregnant in a way. We're just communicating the other visual themes. But then, like, she, like, turns on her feet, and then, like, the choir, like, hits an apex, and, like, she runs away and, like, bounces off as a silhouette, and it's just, like, it feels, uh, I don't know, it just feels like it's, it feels more transcendent in, like, a Quentin Tarantino, even though those are great, like, when they're playing, like, uh, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like, the climax with the music is amazing, but there's something about, like, classical and Amadeus... Like, I rewatch scenes of Amadeus, again, once a month, and just, the music in that is used so perfectly that it, it really elevates uh, Mozart as, like, a transcendent mind in uh, music, and then, like, the way the film uses music is just so powerful, and something about that type of music is, like, so long-lasting. It's just, like, profound. That's like an it, like, excellent yeah. term. Yeah. It strikes you to the core. Yeah. Like Ghost in the Shell, the reincarnation theme is like, it's like... It's not like music you throw on in the background. It's yeah. music that you, like, you listen to and you're like... Oh. 
it's Ooh, it's like getting you whoa. in touch with like some sort of like archaic knowledge yeah. that is like bestowed it, like, upon you. Puts the hairs back up on, on yeah. the back of your neck. And it, yeah. it goes to show it's like an Eastern European like the lyrics are from Eastern European like medieval wedding ceremonial like song. That's what the lyrics are from, yeah. but it's done by like a Japanese like style choir and it's like this weird homogenous thing that's its own thing and it communicates the unification of characters in the film this is like a similar thing where there's like a transcend it's less direct but it's like there's like a transcendent feel to the music and then there's certain like just abrasive sounds of like steam engines and like stuff that's just jarring and then even on this viewing I noticed I don't know if you guys have but there's I think when the girl the central character speaks there's a couple lines that are like echoed before she says it yeah I noticed and, that too. Yeah, just like it, it adds to like the more, you know, there's multiple interpretations of the film. There's kind of an illusionary aspect of the film. Like they exist outside of time or, you know, none of it may be based in reality. And that's where mm. that little like her like her phrases come before she says them to us, the audience. Almost like a premonition. Yeah. In a way. And it's just, yeah, it's just such a, such a feeling. And the music just elevates that like. Again, like I, I remember when I first told you the movie, and I was like, it's like a fifty-minute build-up for this one scene with this one music cue, yeah. and like a character pauses doing something, and then the music is just going, and then, yeah, and it just hits. It feels like it was built for fifty minutes, and then you get that catharsis. I get that catharsis when I see that scene every time. I'm like, oh, this hurts my heart. This is yeah, it's just pain, but it's a good kind of pain. Just like the one thing. It was like the only thing I was thinking of. Like, you, you, you know it's coming, not, but it's just hurts. not this one thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like anything but, right? But yeah, <laughs> that's where the. So I can tell that we're all like itching to talk about like the plot. Yeah. What would be our ratings? I can go first because I'm biased. Five out of five. It's Moroshi. It's a. Uh... You know, it just hits the certain itches that I love. The reason I'm attracted to his works is uh, present in this film. It's up there with Ghost in the Shell for me. So yeah, I'm biased, obviously. I just love the movie. And on this viewing, again, I, I walked away with even more this time. So I really appreciate it. So if I can just like add or pry a little bit more on that. What about Oshi's approach? really sticks with you pat like what like yeah expand upon it. yeah he's 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 saying interesting things it's not just like what uh this it feels to me angel's egg deeply religious very very catholic film for me are you are you a religious person i, I I'm the kind of religious that Angel's Egg is. Yes, <laughs> That's, I get that. Yeah, I'm. The, I'm the same way. Yeah, this movie hits that. It hits on those core values. It's in a way, it's an amalgamation. Without, you know, I'm not trying to directly spoil yeah. it. Yeah, it's an amalgamation of uh, the story of Noah's Ark, with a bit of a pessimistic tone, but also that pessimistic tone is connected to the story of Christ and the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Uh, a certain character has the stigmata bandaged on their palms. And then uh, 
Yeah, but and then also for me, you know, it's a central, it's a female protagonist. So yeah, it just hits all those, it hits all those uh, things that are like not conventional Catholic stuff. This isn't God is real. What's that? This is a Christian movie. It's, it's Catholic for me. It could be. I guess, I guess you're right. It could be whatever you want. Yeah. No, I, 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 I don't even know. I didn't grow up religious, so <laughs> I barely did. I went to a couple sermons. But I like the stories, and then again, also it's just the stories transcend the uh, the institutions of the church, just like the Bible's connection to Gilgamesh. The story of Noah's Ark is, you know, hits. See, and and that's always been the the sort of disconnect that I've had with with religion. Like, I'm not trying to push my own agenda onto people or anything. Just speaking personally, mm-hmm. um, like I grew up attending like Sunday school. Like going every weekend, uh, part partially I feel like my mom just wanted to like have us all get out of the house and everything. <laughs> we used to have this guy named Pastor Bob, who would come by our house and pick us up in his fucking like Astro van, and take us to church and everything. And then we would like sit on this colored carpet and like learn about like all these different like lessons of like. Um, David and Goliath and like all these like sort of like parables and stuff and like I was baptized Catholic and stuff and it's like everything points to the same thing if you sort of like think about it in that way but I sort of like renounced re- religion when I got to be in like my high my high school years because um, I used to have like this cross that was like gifted to me by my mom and like I became like obsessive about it of like praying like I, I, I ended up developing, like, OCD from it, where I had to um, rehearse, like, the prayer that I had, like, word for word, every mm. single night, and if I didn't do it right, I would have to restart it over and over again, and then it ended up transitioning into me, like, having to do actionable things, of, like, turning the light switch off at this certain time, and I ended up... That's why I ended up renouncing it because I'm like I don't want to do this anymore. Like it's killing me, okay. and um, to me, like religion itself, it it goes beyond like the the church and like this institutionalized way of um, approaching like this religious zealotry of like all or nothing, where it's like our God versus like your God or anything. And it's like to me, God can't even be a thing that can be condensed into a three-letter word and that sort of and that so to speak um so i consider myself to be incredibly spiritual when it comes to uh feeling myself at one with some sort of universal force that is present in me because without it i am not me and but i'm not religious in the sense that like i'm you know, rehearsing these these um, ritualistic uh, forms of prayer or, like, any sort of, like, readings. But the same with you, Pat. Like, I really appreciate these parables uh, where it's, like, these different forms of, like, lessons. And to me, that's, that's how I've always viewed religion, even when I was a kid. And that's also what made me not really connect with this formulaic approach to, you know, being indoctrinated into this, this wave of, uh, of religion, yeah. um, where it's like, to me, it's just, it's just, it's just 
fiction. It's just books. It's just mythology. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all the same thing. It's like, it doesn't go one over the other. Yeah. It all stems from the universal soul, in yeah. a way. The Jungian interpretation. Exactly. Yeah. The, the collective unconscious, where it's like these archaic lessons that have been passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation from the time that we were able to speak and communicate with it with one another like to me that is my religion is like storytelling Mm -hmm. and when you view it as like being unfalsifiable that's when you get into problems that's when you start to realize that you're the ass of (laughs) of the joke when it comes to be your like time for like being exposed you're like they're this 2,000 years old and then we should kill people who don't believe yeah you yeah. lost the plot exactly <laughs> and it's like no that's that's not the message of it at all it's, no. it's supposed to be this unattainable truth but you're always supposed to be in pursuit of it mm-hmm. but to me that's what Angel's Egg feels like and when I first watched it like Tyler mentioned the visuals are transcendental it's it's like you can clearly tell like you said that time was put into this and it's different from like watching something that was like cgi generated because it's like of course time was also put into that but it wasn't human time necessarily um it was computational time of course there was a human element into it to like inputting the 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 algorithm sort of so to speak but no, nobody drew that with their hand. Exactly. Like, they didn't On laborious... a sheet of paper. Yeah, the imperfections are there. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. It's like, when you see uh, the main character's, like, hair flowing, you could see the inconsistencies between it. But at the same time, you understand it. It's, it's beautifully imperfect. Which makes it perfect. Which is, like, such a paradox to me. And to me, like, this film is, like... One of the ultimate forms of like paradoxes because it makes sense, but at the same time, it makes no fucking sense to me. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. <laughs> and that's the thing. No, yeah. <laughs> so I, I personally loved like watching it the first time around. It's been a few years since I've seen this movie. I just watched it uh, yesterday um, for the second time and. There are times where I didn't remember certain things, and then it came back to me, and I appreciated it all the more, um, and I can't wait to talk more about it. So five out of five. You know, I was when I first when I watched like, it yesterday. Five, dude. Of course. When I watched it yesterday, I was like, okay, I'm sitting at about a four point two five. You know, maybe maybe this isn't what I would have remembered it as. But it's like, no, it's like one of those things where it's like, once again, it's it's all coming back to the waves, baby. <laughs> it's all coming yeah. back to the waves. It's like you, you're there to witness the crash upon the shores. But it's only in memory that you truly appreciate the lasting effect that it had on the shore, even though it's no longer there. And to me... Five out of five. Yay. Standout animation, standout storytelling. It's like truth cannot be comprehended in its fullest form. And to me, that's what I feel this movie is. It's like every time I watch it, I get a little bit more truth from it. Okay. See, okay. I'm going to give 
I don't know how to grade this movie. This might be the hardest grade I've ever given a movie because the viewing experience of this movie, I'm like, not gonna lie. The first like 20 minutes, maybe I just like, you know, sometimes when you turn on a movie, I think also sometimes you turn on a movie, you have too much going on in your mind. Like I'm thinking about other shit. Yeah. Like, like shit that I gotta do. No, it is a slow, it's a slow run. Shit that I gotta do and I'm like, I'm not locked in here. Is it because I don't like this movie or is it because I'm just like my mind, I need to turn my mind off real quick. And I think that's what it was because I like, then I went away. I forget what I did. I think I, maybe I went and ripped a little Bolski. Just like, <laughs> just like you did. <laughs> just like you boys did, you degenerates. <laughs> then I came back. <laughs> but no, I think it just took me like 20 minutes to get, in, get into the film. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, I, I, like, I like what's happening here. But I'm going to give it, like, I'm going to rate the discussion a 10 out of 5. Because that's why I like this movie. So I'll give it, I'm going to go 4.5 out of 5. See, and Tyler, I want to ask you about... Um, I'm not going to be the the super high rating guy anymore. You've broken that mold. Once yeah. I spoil it, once I once we get the spoilers, I'll get you I know, up I'm going to change my rating. <laughs> you already know I'm a habitual rating changer. <laughs> no, but I, I want to... My interpretation, I want to be like, everything has meaning. Well, it's Pat, I literally just started writing down. I, I literally just had like, questions like I, I'm just gonna ask I wanna see him that's what the, I, <laughs> I got so many questions oh my god <laughs> <laughs> Tyler has like a full on notepad yeah so writing shit down right here just like kiss the angel of death question mark I, question mark I, I, I'm so excited to talk about it <laughs> see and cause again it's her but you know without spoiling it she's a grown woman now what's the uh, oh, vi- what's the visual communication of the significance right, let's of let's go let's go yeah. Okay, I'll give uh, my I reading. What, t- what Richie has I to say. I caught that apart too, and I'm like, am um, I tripping? Yeah. Is this not happening the whole time in the, in the movie? Or? You're right. <laughs> yeah, I think this movie, um, I know I talked about it with Kevin earlier, but I mentioned that it's not really a movie that I say when I like liked. It's not a movie that I would say that I'm going to like watch right away or have repeat viewings of, but like it's definitely a mood piece, I suppose. Um... Like the the music is amazing to listen to, and the animation is like, um, yeah, flawless for 1985. And in terms of like conventional storytelling, I just it just doesn't resonate with me. And um, yeah, I felt at times a little bit confused, or I was like wondering you know this kind of doesn't make sense to me but if it was a movie that I could just put on the background of a party or like I can just look at randomly for visuals it's a great movie for that but for me like just to watch on a I don't know a regular or I don't know casual setting I don't know it didn't really work for me I'm someone who grew up as Catholic I'm someone who understand some of the like imagery you know the 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 man holding the cross Mm -hmm. and um yeah i don't know i found myself confused at times and yeah it didn't hit me as hard knowing that i've seen you know ghost in the show one and ghost in the show two and i liked two better than one i know a lot of us like liked one better but i I really enjoyed the sequel 
Whoa. I thought it was a really, I thought it was a pretty strong sequel to me, but um, yeah, this one didn't really hit me as hard. I don't know. I feel I feel kind of bad, but I just I can't say that it's like something that I'm gonna return to and say I'm gonna I'm gonna rewatch this. Um, but as a mood piece, it's fantastic. So, uh, I, so I'll give it a two and a half, two and a half out of five. I have a question for you. Um, what about mo- specific movies that you can put on in the background? Like, what does a movie need to have in order for you to like do that sort of thing? You know, because to me, like, when I think about that, I think about this one time that, like, a few of us were at B-Sides, which mm-hmm. is a bar in, like, downtown. That's <laughs> random movies. Yeah. yeah, and Ice yeah. Pirates was playing. Yeah. And then also Dune was playing before that, David Lynch's Dune. Um, and it's, like, to me, like, a back... This no, I'm a- not I'm not going to give my Where answer. Are you saying on- this is a bad background movie or a good background movie? No, I, I like that. That's a really a- good film for the background, but as like just occasional, just like, it can I watch this movie again and say I would, I really like this movie and I want to put on repeat. It's not that kind of movie for me, but in the background, if I'm just See, having a party or whatever, but, that'd be great for visuals mm-hmm. and, so, and sound and music. So like my question, so just to like touch upon my question again, what about like, like why is it a background movie? Like to 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 me like or to you, what is a good background movie encompass? Like what about it makes you put it on in the background? If there's like no obvious conventional storytelling here. There's no uh, A to B plotline for me mm-hmm. from the way I interpreted it. Um, but also the visuals. Yeah, if, like if you, you're at a party the, and yeah, people the, can't the hear the movie. Great. You're like if you're at a bar, like if uh, you go to Bottle, Bottle and Barlow and Sack, they play a lot of like old westerns and other type of just random old movies like that, or like maybe even some David Lynch, and like yeah, it's like it'd just be a sick movie to see on in the background. Angel's Egg, <laughs> just like you just be like, what the fuck is happening right now in this movie, <laughs> especially because it's not in English. <laughs> like don't just put like. And the dialogue is very sparse, so you don't really need... Because um, I, I asked myself, like, do I really need dialogue to watch this movie anyway? You know? Um, yeah, I think it depends really. where you're at for the background of a movie. You know, if it's like a little party, like a little kickback, like us four, but we're all talking and, like, smoking. Sure, you know, like, a great background movie for me would be, like, Anchorman. You know, you just catch it at... at points will Farrell doing some dumb shit you can laugh at it and then check out for 20 minutes see but but then or if you're at a bar and nobody can hear it nobody can see it nobody's even really but they just see like the images this is this would be sick see but what about that draws us into a back a quote-unquote background movie like what about those specific elements like really leaves an, a lasting impression even though we don't engage with it for that many seconds yeah. of our lives i'm not saying i'd want this movie to be a background movie but i'm saying if i saw it in the yeah. background at a bar mm-hmm. I'd, be like, I'd be like what is this exactly it's like yeah. but what a, like why does it draw you in i'd say this one angels like definitely visually communicates visually it's a cold yeah. blue world like it, it's but almost could, on a sim, on a symbolic level i feel like you can right? yeah symbolically with all the visuals of just like the religious aspects, yeah. or just the girl with the egg, and like then two even, fragile things. You, I feel like you could also tell it's so dated, yet you could tell that just like it's. I don't know. I feel, maybe it's because we've watched. 
I've watched a lot of anime stuff. I haven't even watched a lot of anime stuff. You guys have, but like I feel like I can just tell. I'm like, oh yeah, this is just, just absolutely so well done. Like for its time, like it holds up, and it's we're almost forty years later. Oh shit, yeah. There's literally yeah yeah two years. That's forty years ago. Oh my god. Holy fuck. Oh no. And it holds up like that though. Really. And then the architect. There's art. I think it's Art Deco, Art Nuevo, and Gothic, and then it's like Cubism. There's, there's like one. There is, yeah. There's one shot. There's just a Cubism painting in the background, and it's just like why I don't know. Yeah, it's just there could be like, something else, but it's there. There's like, do you remember the um, the shot when I think it's like in like the last third when he kind of like sets her on the bed. It's not. This isn't a spoiler, but then it's like that shot from above mm. when she's on the bed with the egg and like. Her hair again, it's like her hair and her hair is just like sprawled out across the whole bed, just like laid out. And like it's like but like the wind's still moving and like you can see like the movement of like the wind like barely picking up the hair. I'm just like, holy shit, this is nineteen eighty five and they're just like it's so like visceral, right? Like it, it stirs something in the soul to mm-hmm. to like almost like a false memory. And of then, like you know that experience or you know yeah. that sensation. Yeah. It was this like is, yeah. Sorry, my fault. This is my last thing, but I feel like it oh, no, literally almost like say as much drew as me. Like say. it was like it like drew me in like that that uh, um that like extremely long t- still take right oh, out yeah. there at, at the same time. It's like I think it's two or three minutes before. Any Dude, literally, happens. I and and I caught myself like I was staring for so long, and then I realized that I had been staring for so long, and I was like thinking that the uh, thing had messed up, but I was like, I know that the music. Has been changing the whole time, but the music. Then I then I started thinking. I was like, "Wow!" I was like, "I just got caught staring at that for however long that just was." <laughs> so and my, was my, like, and then this music is so good. It kept me in the whole time. I was like, "Wow, this is great. This is awesome." I'm like so sucked in. Yeah. My my question to you at that point then is, um, during those moments where you sort of catch yourself feeling like almost like self conscious or like self aware of like this this ingesting of like material of like inside of you like do you like what's your take on that i feel like i in that moment i was literally i was like damn i was like holy crap like there's been a few times like not hypnotized like i didn't think it at the time but now that i'm thinking about like i was so into the film at that time like it really sucked me in and i was just standing there and it was just like a super tranquil like the little dim lit fire just barely any movement at all with the music in the background. I was just like, it's like, uh, you know, it's like a drug almost. You're just like, damn, this is like, it's like watching those, like, you know, like <laughs> on YouTube when you look on like coffee shop type beats and mm, it was like, it's like a the same like loop. Yeah. But like I got sucked into the loop myself to where I didn't realize I was in the loop. Until after like 30 seconds, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes makes sense. sense. Because then I caught myself that I realized I was caught in the loop. And then that's when I realized I was like, wow, (laughs) that is how you do a long take right there. Because that just freaking, whatever the buildup that led to that to get me to do this, like. It gets you to be pensive. Oh, she, you damn, yeah. you done did a damn you, good job. You feel the weight, <laughs> the fire's dying down, and yeah. he, he's sitting awake, and you're like, 
fuck, I'm sitting awake too. I'm sitting awake too. Like, you know what's coming. You're like, <laughs> but you're waiting with him, and it's like, this is brutal. See, no. I Okay, yeah, we got to get this. Okay, get so we're, territory, yeah, we're, we're transitioning. I in, okay, I, I could tell right away, like, this is, like, I can see what's happening. I'm like, oh, no. All right, so for those of you who have whose interests are piqued by this discussion so far, an hour and some odd minutes into it, check out Angel's Egg. Uh, wherever you can, buy it, rent it, pirate it, do whatever you gotta do to see it, because this is pure... It's it's an experience. I think that we can all agree upon that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're heading into spoilers now, so, uh, enjoy. I saw how the fire was dying no. low, and I was like, he was staying awake. Okay, I was like, okay. he's going to do it. No, you're right. He's going to break the No, yeah, when it went out, I was like, After I don't know, I feel angel? like I was so sucked in, though. I was just oh, sucked into, yeah. like, the, like, the tranquility of the scene. The city's flooding. Yeah. It's suffocating. The vibe is off. I don't know, I just felt like I was literally put into that world. Mm. And then I realized, once she, because she's still holding the egg, and then yeah. she turns she over. She rolls over. She rolls it. over and leaves the egg unattended and once she left the egg unattended yes i started tripping i was like oh fuck yeah it's like you know that's coming the moment he shows up it's like that kubrick sarah i was talking about earlier richie it's like okay so now that we're in spoiler territories i mentioned it earlier there were three images or sequences that always stand out to me from this film like from the first time seeing it Mm -hmm. the first and foremost is the Kubrick stare that the one of the main characters has where it's like a profile or no it's not a profile shot it's like a head-on shot mm-hmm. or he's sort of like it's canned down a little bit and he's like staring upward into the camera and there's like a shadow cast upon him and it reappears at least three times yeah. in the film and it almost always looks the same the second thing is um when he's he holds Pressing down. Yeah, yeah, and it's just all quiet. It's the, just all quiet. Yeah. And it, like, crashes up on the ground. The third thing is that entire sequence with the hunters and, like, the soldiers throwing the spears out trying to catch the shadow fish. But I was telling Richie earlier, like, speaking of the Mandela effect again, um, I always, like, thought that I had misremembered those details. Like, if they had even happened at all. Which makes me think about Noah's Ark yeah. and like this entire like. Is it a dream? Are we yeah, a bird's dream? dream? Yeah, it's like, how long have we been, mm-hmm. you know, inside of this this boat, inside of this vessel? Like, is we don't know where we came from. Mm-hmm. Why is there no one around? Why is it? What are the fishermen? The uh, the uh, shadows of the fish that they're hunting. I forget the name. It's like it begins with the sea. It's like Kulawith or something. 
But yeah, that's like a fish that has fossils back like 410 million years. Back with like the te tetrapods or whatever, those little guys that live on the bottom of the ocean still. But yeah, they were thought to be extinct until like the 1960s when they're rediscovered off like Africa. Damn. So yeah, like those fishes they're hunting are also like, they're like the shadows of millennial old fish that were once thought to be extinct. And then yeah, they're like, you know, the obvious, the connection to like a war or war culture, brutal culture, the harpoons. When that's, when that's them being at their most vital point in their for. lives. Yeah. The animals turn to stone. Uh, I, I want to hop right in this. This is a big spoiler at the end. Did you guys catch at the ending? Because I had to look this up when I first saw the movie. I was like, no, it's ark? Yeah. They're on when a, it comes out the water? They're on a capsized ark. The land itself is ark. No. Okay, yeah, so you go when back, it zoomed, when it yeah, pans when it starts out, zooming out. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so I kept thinking, I was like, is it an egg? No. I was like, what the fuck is Yeah, they're it? just it in the giant expanse of like, like, the it's, universe. It's like the same shape as like those boulders mm -hmm. that it was zooming out from. It's the same shape as the girl's house, where there's also like a little boat that's like on land with propped up by wooden planks of wood on one side or something. And then when you sure. go down in her house, there's like a astrology or celestial map thing that's at the intro when the guy, when the Jesus Christ figure is given the mission by the eye of God with the angels on it. That ascends, it, it ascends, at the, no, it descends into the yeah, ocean. Yeah, it descends into the ocean and then it rises up again yeah, in the end. With her on, with the young girl on the throne. Which, and then, yeah, then they ascend to heaven, immortalized as angels, saved, and you have the guy who's carrying the cross with the stigmata on his palms, uh, left alone. That's his sacrifice. He's, he's, he's betrayed the girl. Okay. Done horrible things, but in a way he's, you know absolved her to a higher plane of existence where he's left alone on the ark which is on the flooded stone earth with no life see the way i took it was like i don't even yeah i wasn't raised like religious so I was, but i knew it was noah's ark and i knew that at the end i was like okay that's noah's ark but they're leaving him behind and i was like he was just with this little girl and they show the girl leaving the ark with the egg yeah. like centrally located in the ark right? yeah on the throne and the other figures are like is she is she just an angel is she god is and then i'm like is she the so did he She's was like he, the virgin mary was, was it like his his meeting with her and everything was it all just a test of his like faith in in god it's a test of and his will. He couldn't. He couldn't. You know. He couldn't. Like. You know. Get away from the temptation of knowing what was inside the egg, aka. <sighs> you know. What is knowing? Like, if there is a heaven and whatever else there is when it comes to faith. No. To where he couldn't. He couldn't take it, so he had to cheat his way to find yeah, it I, out. I, I thought he, he. I thought he violated her for sure. I mean, he he had the egg in possession before, where she left it That's and he brought it back to her yeah. and he told her that you're supposed to keep things like precious uh, close to you e keep precious yeah. things inside you yeah, right. yeah even when they you. first meet it's it's like it's so calculated like that that entire taxi that was like mentioned earlier with the like the veins yeah. yeah the row of tanks it's like he happens to just stop right at the exact moment that she's there yeah. which makes me think about like what Ruchi was saying where it's like it all feels like 
It's so calculated in the violation of, like, trust. Yeah. No, he has fatigues on. He's some kind of soldier. He has the gun that's across. He arrives on a tank. And, yeah, he's clearly not up to any direct good. But I, I just can't but view him as, like, a Christ allegory. And, again, they're both, like, the, the both with the white hair. They have the, the angelic form. They're both, like, immortal in, like, whatever time. Because, like, she has thousands of those glass orbs filled with water that she puts on the it's like a church that's half corpse of like a massive creature half like you know skeletons are embedded in the walls yeah she's super pale skinned he's kind of like darker skinned than her yeah. it, it made me think of that like you know um, they're obviously meant to be like kind of not that related to each other in a way but they do have the same like hair color that's where, yeah, but that's like, they're both like, they're both angelic. They're both, yeah. Because yeah. they're not, they're, they interpret, from my interpretation, they're definitely not human. And then you can argue, like, it could all be a dream. It could all be whatever this said. But like, I always, my interpretation is the, yeah, the, in a way he's, he's condemning himself to the static, whatever life to turn the stone or whatever, like the angels or the birds and the animals and the fishermen. He's like condemned to that and she gets to ascend on the throne. Although it's not a nice, you know, it's not a nice journey. But yeah, like even the other figures on the orb, they're clasped, their hands are kind of, they're clasped in like a pseudo prayer. But if you go back in the place of their heart, there's eggs on every one of them. It's like the orb, the same exact size egg, even though they have like, you know, helms and you don't see their distinct features. What do you think of the, of, how did you take the scene where she drowns, right, mm. as a grown woman? Yeah. And then she takes her last breath, and the bubbles float up to the surface, and it just creates all these eggs. Is it, yeah. is it like she's <laughs> ripped up <laughs> shit? That, that was, oh, not, that's a fucking that was not audible right whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, is it, is it like a... It's very, that's where the film gets explicit, I think. Is it like, is she the last pure thing left of humanity? <laughs> I mean, because it even starts out with... The angel's egg, of course, like, it's, like, <coughs> uprooted and, like, being held out to, like, the cosmos in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, like, almost, like, the sun giving plants energy and, like, nu- and nourishment. Well, I mean, he, he appeared before she did, right? Well, mm-hmm. well the first uh, thing is the egg, though. But the it's bird. the egg, though, yeah. and it shows, yeah. like, the eye of, like, one of the uh, fetuses. Vaguely humanoid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like it's like on the cusp of like hatching, and that's like what this film embodies is that energy of like, on the cusp of like birth and death. Yeah. Because it's like these birds are like so. I mean, if you think about like an egg in just a general sense, it's like life in its most fragile form. Because it's like if you don't have any sort of any sort of like vessel to incubate this this life force, then there's nothing. The egg is the transitional f- embodiment of life, because it's like purity. anything can happen. Yeah, it's purity, and it's like any any force of nature could happen upon it to where it crushes that, mm-hmm. and it's just out. It's just it like there's no chance of ever coming back to life. <laughs> my thing is, my whole theory is with the back to the test of faith with the egg. I just feel like as any rational human being, if you meet 
a young girl with this egg she's attached to. Why would you ever smash the egg? Why would you ever feel inclined to smash the egg? Give me a reason why yeah, would I, you feel inclined. I mean, right. I personally would have just, she said <laughs> to smash she was gonna wait egg. for it to hatch. Do you guys, so you guys, I would have just wait for it. But do you guys remember what's in the egg? Remember when she shows her, like, look, it's an angel. This, this beautiful thing is gonna come out of this <laughs> egg very soon. And he's like, I knew that. And he's, you're looking at a, a horrific skeleton that's like hunched over and looks alien and looks very frightening. Yeah, it's the fossil. It yeah, looks like a, it looked like an angel, like a like a fossil of basically like a human angel. I guess I would say like, like a, a human humanoid. skeleton with wings, right? But if you look at the neck and the oblong head, it like has a neck that shoots forward and lowers and has no human hands. It's just wings and then I mean, it has talons. It's kind of like humanity. That's what's becoming of humanity now. Like see, yeah. but it's almost like a cataclysmic force yeah I was in gonna, a sense yeah and then going back again to he destroys the egg above the boat and then when she flees her home you see is it humanity that he's destroying no he's he, he, but he, he's destroying the force that wiped out humanity yes Dude, this is just <laughs> the, let me just the, start listing off some the mush the mushroom that. the mushroom cloud the tree that rised and sucked the life from the earth yeah it's basically a commentary on atomic destruction yeah, yeah. on atomic yeah and then, yeah, he destroys the egg, and above her house is now the same tree with the holding the egg that sucks the life of the earth. And then when she, you know, she uh, falls into the water, and then she meets... Kisses the, the angel of death? She kisses herself, in a way. I don't think it's the angel of death. It's like her matured... <laughs> That was like That's a full-on ghost in the... I mean, like, I a, premonition, the show, yeah. a premonition to ghost in the yeah. shell. I don't even know. Is the angel of death a real thing? But that's where you go to the whole, like, the, the, the sexual violation of the, you know, this, the, the the communication of, like, the original sin. Or, you know, like, the, the interpretation of the Eve. You know, like, the more, the more religious out there people would be like, you know, Eve was... There was Lilith that was made from the same clay as Adam... But she was too, like, you know, independent. Yeah. So she was made a demon in hell. I did get then, Adam and Eve vibes, yeah, too. But. Eve was made from Adam's rib. And then because of her eating the the uh, apple, the temptation, uh, she was punished with childbirth. You know, there's those interpretations of yeah. the Adam and Eve story where, like, oh, yeah, the, re- the reason childbirth is so painful and you could just die is punishment from God. That's, that's kind of, like, why her, she is... She's put through the ringer, the Adam, and Eve, the Adam and Eve parallel along with the Noah's Ark parallel along with the Jesus Christ parallel, all wrapped up in one. Okay. Yeah. And I then again, I like that. Yeah. Well, I, I like felt that. like I felt like her, like him, like sexually assault, assaulting her, kind of like turned her, like kind of like transformed her to become like, I don't know, she like transformed, right? She became like an adult. An adult woman or something. Yeah, yeah it's like, after it's a, she like had the egg broken and she like jumped into the like a reflection of herself. Yeah, right. It, yeah, it's, it's it's very traumatic. But yeah, like she was uh, visually, you know, kind of made to grow up through pain and suffering and trauma. Yeah, and and it's all just through like this the sequence of events inside of the film. And of course, like if you approach it from just a purely metaphorical sense. Where it's not necessarily, like, the act of, like, him stealing this egg from her, like, stealing this innocence from her. Mm -hmm. It it can't even be approached from 
this this masculine versus like feminine or yeah. like it, it it goes far beyond that it's just purely the act of like recognizing that the world that you're born into is not pure yeah or yeah or just the it's just painful to see uh, or, her, her, yeah. her her pure devotion to the egg is you know betrayed and purity it's, is bound to be tainted and that's why he's punished Sadly, okay well that's why i was confused because she left the egg before after she was like eating and stuff or something yeah. she had like but then he found the egg for her and then returned it to her without yeah. like doing anything to it yeah that's where that's where that's where their their relationship seems more it seems to develop more than just he's on a mission to assault or harm you know he returns the egg and he gives her the advice and they uh they get like a kind of a mutual understanding of each other until the uh you know, he reminisces on, like, the absence of purpose they both have and the amnesia and the lack of placement and everything. He's like, well, you know, what is this? Like, we could be in the dream of this old bird and the egg that sprouted out of the tree of life. Like, none of this can be real. Or, like, you know, like, what can any of this mean? Why didn't the bird come back to Noah and all this stuff? He's like, we can be that. We could be in a dream. Like, none of this can matter. He's like, cr- he's like clawing for answers. And she's like, oh, no, actually, I have... Un- questioning faith in the egg and then she shows him what the unquestioning faith is going to lead to and that's where he's like okay now my sacrificial moment is to destroy this evil or you know whatever the thing is to allow her to ascend and now his punishment is to be left behind yeah because her dream for the bird is ultimately the dream for herself where she views like the bird's dream as being able to fly far away from this awful place that she's been condemned to mm-hmm. when really it's never been about the bird or like the egg itself it's yeah. about like her hope for salvation in some small way um yeah, and then he, he says the lines of like I, she's like oh, i can hear it's breathing and he's like that's your breathing mm-hmm. and then when he breaks the egg there's nothing in there yeah. yeah there's not even like any any remnants of like yolk or like no. anything like it's a that shell. So she's just been harboring this, like, I know why you think it's a happy ending. It's now. a happy ending. She I gets know. to go. Oh, my God. This she's just clicked smiling. for me. Live on air. <laughs> she's holding the egg and smiling. The egg is because symbolic. Because the egg was empty. Yeah, but she didn't, she didn't know that. She thought, it was, she thought this horrible skeleton thing. Again, they, the, the bird never came back to Noah, so they and were it, damned. It, they were all damned from the start, and, and he shows up. And it was his to, burden. To, yeah, to show it to her. He shows up to free her from the damnation of the stasis of being trapped and on the capsized. And this is why he's arc. trapped there. Yeah, that's why he watches them leave. It's his sacrifice. Yeah. And the, oh the, my oh. god. That's why he has this. He has a stigmata like Christ on the cross. Okay. You know, the, he has the bandages on his palms where Christ is punctured okay. by the nails. Holy shit! I like that. Yeah, he carries across the whole film, like Christ carrying the cross to his crucifixion, and then yeah, the slow pan out to show you know the hills, and then it shows the city, and then it shows Damn. more, and then it shows like Noah's Ark, which is stone and water, and that's what the whole earth is. So you, so okay, the second time around of me watching this, I tried paying more attention to the, I guess the. Objects that make up the crucifix that this uh, male character is like carrying around with him throughout the entirety of the film. Um, 
And to me, I felt like there were little various gadgets of, like, nozzles and, like, spigots. Yeah. And, like, even, like, firearms in a way. I, um, I, I want to say it's a gun, definitively. Because, like, there's, like, a barrel point at the bottom. Like, you know, like the... Yeah, yeah, the it did have, like a, like, a barrel to it. Yeah, it but, just looks like he shoots it, like... I don't even know how. It has, like, it has like motorcycle but handlebars. But he never shoots it. See, but that's the thing, is that, like, during this, this uh, time around with it... I was paying more attention to the rising waters. Because to me, like, in the first time around, it flew completely over my head. But this time around, I'm like, okay, so this is like some sort of cataclysmic event where, you know, you have this revelation coming upon, like, the re the remains of humanity where it's going to wipe out everything else. But he is the bearer of the spigot of this broken pipe. And here he is planting the spigot down and cranking it down to where no more water can come up. And I was like, when I thought about that, it blew my goddamn mind. <laughs> because it's like, it's such a burden. It's like any form of like movie or like media that you come across where it's this very downtrodden character who's taking it upon themselves to bear the burden of self-sacrifice in a way where they know what needs to be done and there they are doing it for the greater good whether it's to make themselves feel better to find like some sort of like redemption in themselves or to express some form of love to humanity that they were not able to prior to that action and that's how I feel like this 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 main one of the main characters come across. Mm -hmm. I don't think they even have a name. No, I don't um, think any of them get named. Yeah, none no, of them none do. Of them do yeah. mm -mm. But it's like it, and it's so. I mean, they come across as like a guardian in a way, uh, where it's like their duty is to expose the cold truth to the youth in order for them to properly take in the reality of life which is that like hope is a disease <laughs> and it's like the sooner that you come to grips with like the the pros and cons of hope and how it can like lead you to distort your own reality for the worse um that's when you're more close to meeting reality where it's supposed to be met Man, this movie, this movie yeah. gets my gears going. Mm. It, like, makes me feel like the little hamster in my head mm. is, like, just working overtime. Yeah. And I feel like the discussion is what's making me give it a five out exactly. of five. The big thing, yeah, it, like, I, it didn't click for me until I looked up the end and so, like, oh, it's, a, it, it's reminiscent of a capsized Noah's Ark. I, was, I went back and, like, oh, yeah, it's literally, like, like, tilted on one side. It's just, like, a massive arc. It's not, like, the literal interpretation, but it's, like, clearly that, like, the land is, like, just, like, a volcanic prehistoric, just flat stone and water. So there's, like, literally no life now on it except for the uh, guy left behind. Where it's like, oh, then, then he tells the story that's Noah's Ark up until the part that the bird never comes back. And, yeah, like, my interpretation, that's where I'd go, like, what do you guys, for me, it's, like, the protagonist is the girl and it's her against the man but in a way it's also about the man against 
not even the absence of God, but like another interpretation on this viewing was the, uh, you know, I, I, I thought of Renaissance paintings where they do the glass orb as like the eye of God and always like put that in the background to show your... Almost like the memento mori yeah. of like death. Or just to show your like your connection to higher planes or higher powers. Yeah. And then I thought of like the film shows like the 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 <laughs> You're, like looking at this painting behind you. <laughs> this more surrealist one. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like the start it has like the, the orb figure thing with the angels, like you know, it's the kinda of way I was like I interpreted it now. I was like like oh that's like God descending to, you know, the cho like the son or like the man given the person given the mission, the holy mission to help the girl. It's descending into the ocean. Like you don't know if this is a billion years before whatever or what, because there's like a, you know, kind of like the ruins in her room are like the astrological stuff, but it's like all crumpled and destroyed. Yeah. He's on like a, like a full functioning like it looks like a satellite or like radio like system of, you know, planetary alignments and stuff, and this like thing descends from the heavens, and he's like almost like on cue yeah he's like standing there waiting for like his mission and like just it lands and descends into the ocean and without saying anything we cut to the girl now like it could be a billion years in the future or whatever there's like the ruins of the same stuff inside her where she sleeps and it's like okay and then he shows up out of the blue and then you know the orb ascends with her this time and now it's like leaving him behind where it's kind of like you know he's he's destined to be left behind or whatever but but what I'm left so asking is like, why? Cause you gotta, yeah. Why? Why, Pat? Is Tell he, me why. Is Pat? he? A, he's just because a martyr. <laughs> the guy's a martyr. No. Why? Why does the? Why does the? the this godlike entity I, even? That's, that's the beauty. Even I, express its, or even choose to expend its time. That's that's the beauty of. That's where I go back to like the Catholic. For my interpretation, the Catholic core of this. It's beyond. It's you know. It's beyond my knowing. See the way I, bro. The way I think it's so much more negative. I was just like, yeah, no. This guy like no, failed. A, he oh. failed the t- the test of faith, and like just couldn't resist knowing what See? was inside the egg. And that's entirely and, valid. But he knew what it was. And like he just violated this like this like the one thing that like this like pure-hearted girl didn't want to, and he still couldn't help it, and he had to smash it. I, I would agree, but when you see the when you see the angel, oh, that's where I'm. I go the other way, like, oh no, he's he's like he's on his mission, where he's like, like this is you know it's gonna hatch, the bird will come back. They don't call it an angel; it's like a bird, but it's like clearly like a humanoid wing thing. And he's like, oh yeah, that's what I. He's like, I know. <laughs> it's like he, they both have had amnesia, and their connection to each other has helped them both. Or has helped him rediscover his mission sent by sent to save her. And that's where he's like, oh, you know, it's in my egg and the egg's going to hatch soon. And he's like, yeah, that's what I thought. Or I know that is. I know it is. And that's why he takes his time with the fire going out. Yeah. No, yeah. And he, he doesn't, you know, like, he could just grab the egg and smash it right then. But, you know, it's, it's, it's slightly more sympathetic, but still obviously not good. But you know what? He's... He's left on the ark to turn to stone, at best. <laughs> he, he he doesn't get to ascend, and she gets to ascend. They all get to ascend, and then that's where like you know like going to the like, but why, why do this? Why anything? It's like uh, you know what, higher powers. I can enjoy the arcs yeah. of the characters, and I can appreciate my interpretation. Like his sacrifice, you know what he's. 
I appreciate the sacrifice, but in a way it's like a just punishment. And in a way it's even like reclaiming the old school Catholic thing of like, you know, Eve is from man and because of her sin of eating the apple, she is now punished with childbirth. It's more, it feels like a more redemptive story of like, no, it's the, it's the man who does the, the man who does the treacherous act, the evil and his punishment is like direct and right then. And now this, you know, the victim gets to ascend. It, again, from outsider's interpretation, the man is punished and the female ascends on the throne, even. She's given a special spot on the, the eye of God or the body of God as it ascends, ascends the heavens and he's like le left there watching it leave him. He's like, all right, bye-bye. He's not upset. He's not crying. He just has that heavy spigot gun that just holds him down as the waves like crash against his chest and he's like, okay. <laughs> and there's eggs everywhere, you know? The, whatever the bird thing is, is gonna be born again and it's gonna be their world and he's just gonna be a stone statue in it, if anything. If those are not evil beings and if they are evil beings, they're gonna rule, rule over the rapturized earth of stone and water. <laughs> See, and, and you want, you know what's funny about those stone people is that when the tides are actually rising far above them, they don't move at all. Yeah, they just alive. stick to their fate. It's only in times of like false. Again, her egg. The 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 the, the fishermen throw their harpoons, chasing the ghost of something. Yeah, their duty. They're you know they're fishermen, so they they want the shadows of the fish. There's a platonic cave allegory interpretation of the fish as well as like direct, like it's not actually there. The fish are long gone. It's all just like projections yeah. against like the rocks. Yeah. And the model, the fish are modeled on the fish that was extinct for 410 million years until it was recently discovered. And the girl with her egg is the same in a way, but she's not yet stone. And he shows up and he destroys the shadow of the fish, which is her egg. You know, it's a tragic thing, but she's freed from it and she gets to ascend. Is my interpretation. All of this, again, is just my interpretation. <laughs> I like your happy interpretation, though. It, it's a happy movie. I'll be with I talked a lot. I like Pat's happy interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> Does it feel more justified in the ending, or...? No. No? no I still feel very bleak and kind of sad <laughs> about everything. <laughs> it's like that old saying, <clears throat> all good things must pass. Yeah. Yeah. Just... I can see where Pat's coming from, but it still feels kind of a... Bummer ending for me. There's like kind of no escape from it. It seems like it's very um, cyclical. Mm -hmm. And that's going to happen again. And yeah. I can see why you'd think that, especially with um, all the eggs that are hatched or not hatched, but um, kind of float to the surface when she drowns. Cause it's like that's her life force and that's her vitality that's been like robbed of her especially like as she's chasing him and it's like no wonder why she, he was so easy to chase after 
because he had to go around an entire, who knows, like obstacle in order to get to the other side of that, that uh, break in the land. Because she, she chased after him like so quickly. And then lo and behold, she just trips and falls into that that huge just gap. And then just like like you said, Tyler, like she kisses like the angel of death in a way. And like that's when she feels like most alive, and then that's right yeah. when it's robbed from her. In this sense. But yeah, I, I can see like why it's why you would consider it to be like a bleak ending in that sense, because it's like when you get to that, when you get to like that uh, visceral of an ending, it's kind of hard to find a silver lining to it. You know, when it's like, here's here's everything A through Z. Tell me why this is a good ending, because to me, all signs point to no, it's not. Because it's like you have this pure being who is like a life bearer who is projecting their dreams into this this innocent egg that can one day fly free and like far away from this this hell basically where there it's like this this husk of what used to be like this bustling society of like community and everything and now it's not there anymore now all she does is fill her time finding bottles of water which water is like the core ingredient to life yeah but it can't escape there's nowhere to escape to the earth is flooded the the skeleton of an- the angels still on the ark the bird did come back it would have nowhere to lead them it can't escape <laughs> it's grim but very grim but yeah. the truth is always grim isn't it yeah and and, and uh, again i appreciate that the uh the eve type of character gets the uh the merciful res- resolution she still dies but in her death there was birth and, and then she gets to ascend which if there is justice that's how it would be and you know the film for me that's why i go like the film is uh more aligned with like any religious beliefs I have. It's all mystical, open, and uh, in my opinion, the good people who suffer, the good people who suffer ascend in the end. And that's what she does. Well, I think on that note, do we happen to have any other closing thoughts? Tyler, what about the that endless list of questions yeah. that you had I think I think I kind of shouted them all out um, let's see yeah I got kiss the angel of death question mark question mark question mark uh, <laughs> yeah oh um, I was saying kind of earlier like or it says cross the like cross. the egg and the cross I was thinking about how she was carrying the egg and he was carrying the cross and how the egg is like a pure object that she's carrying and the cross is something made by like humanity. Yeah, it's a, it's that's, a gun golden that's, red. Um, uh, yeah, because there's no there's say. no recreating an egg. Mm-hmm. Other like in a mechanical sense. Yeah. I like to think uh, after playing Bloodborne 
That was another one. Like when the egg is shattered, and the, the girl awakes, and now she sees the uh, trees of life everywhere. That was like my, on this view, and that was my kind of interpretation. Again, where he's like, a, he's saving her in a way, because he's like, oh, like there's these, you know, there's, there's these trees of lives with these eggs, these angels are going to hatch soon from them. And in actuality, they're like, again, to the atomic parallel of saying like maybe man's destiny is war and self-destruction. Yeah. And he's saving her from, as well as like, just like, even like directly saying like, oh, like these trees are sucking the life out of the people and making the animals and everything to stone. And in a way, shattering the illusion. And now she's, now we, the audience and her, as she's going through the same places, now there's eggs. There's more trees of life's, life's visible. And it's like, oh, maybe. I was like, on this view, a little Bloodborne interpretation. Like when you get your, your insight above 20. Oh, and you start, you start seeing, seeing stuff. amygdala. Yeah, you start yeah. seeing higher beings. Like, that are all, all among us at all times. But you just couldn't perceive them. Um, no, I was saying, I feel like, you know how, like, they were saying, um, like, it's unrecognizable, the, uh, or, like, okay, so the egg represents purity in life, but, like, the cross represents going away from that, like, they, to where he was, like, you know, the bird flew away and we didn't. I didn't even remember if the bird existed, existed, yeah. or who I was even before then. Yeah. So, so would it be considered reactionary in that sense? Like, like the cross is like a a reaction. Yeah. Mm. That I mean, I like I like I for the cross. This is more direct. I literally interpret it as like, there's just like some like future like hell like hellscape war. Like that's just what we what we created, I guess, in response. In a way, or like he like, like the human nature of like him him arriving on the tanks, and the cross gun, and he never fires it in the movie. But like I I like the picture. It'd be like like a solid blue beam that like you have to lay down and like hold the two motorcycle handles and like shoot it with a leg on top. Like is that powerful and that destructive? And I always interpret it as like. You know he's he's he he has the cross, which is like a symbol inverse of the egg. But like his arrival, like he's like it's like he was plucked out of like a battlefield, or whatever, like hellscape, like red blood-soaked tanks with organs and pulsating nature, and he's right on the back one yeah. with his cross, which is like a makeshift gun reshaped into a cross or whatever. He doesn't carry it like you wait you would carry a gun. He carries it like on his shoulder. Where, like, he's take. It feels like for me, he's taking. Like, it, it is those imageries against, like, the purity and life and all that. But, like, the way it's used, it feels more conscious of, like. Again, yeah, back to like, like a mission. little more protective. Yeah. Like, the tanks drive themselves and we don't know where they go. Like, they're just automatons. But, like, I can envision they're, like. They're sent from. In the, they're sent from, like, a hellscape where automatons like that just kill indiscriminately. And he's from that same environment with that same cross gun. And he just, you know, he was sent from that hell, you know, to the, the not limbo, what's the word? Purgatory type situation yeah. with a capsized arc. And he's like, 
he could be from a different time. There's all this inter, but you know, he's like a mercenary, like he's just a soldier or whatever. Ultimate, yeah. The 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 exacts aren't significant, but you know, he's the Mandalorian. <laughs> he's, a, <laughs> he's, a, he's a Mando. <laughs> but I love that. So it's, it's a, a little gun, a gun cross. <laughs> Some sci-fi. I love, this, is, yeah. I love the sci-fi energy of the whole thing. That makes sense. The organ tanks. They look like they... They look mean. <laughs> like the cannons are huge and there's like double barrel. I could talk about this movie for hours. <laughs> well, uh, subscribe to our Patreon if you want to hear... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we don't have the Patreon. Yeah, we should have said it earlier, but we have a, an email. Lafilmpodcast at gmail.com Mm-hmm. You guys can write to us if you want. Most people don't, but we wish we did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, we'll literally respond to anything. Yeah, we will respond on, to anything that even any on air. of you write, on, write into us. We'll respond to it in the next episode we record. Um, if you ever want to rate, subscribe to us, or I don't know, just anything. Right now, it feels like we've been firing off arrows into the dark, and we have yet to hear any of them hit. <laughs> if, if one thing is going to get a massive reaction, it's it's Angel's Egg. Come on. <laughs> this film I've never heard about until I found it online. Well, you know what? Maybe the clanging is in the dark is us coming together. Echo, echo, echo. It's like we're yeah, we're all carrying eggs. When the podcast ends, I'll be the one <laughs> symbolically destroying them all for us. <laughs> no, you're gonna be the one that breathes out the last few bubbles. No, yeah. give me that much credit. Eggs. Yeah, Pat, no. don't don't even lie. <laughs> you are that. True. But yeah, um, if you're still listening at this point, uh, you could, f- if you want to keep up with us, we post from time to time on our Instagram account at Podcast. As Richie mentioned earlier, we do have an email at layfilmpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're probably there in the darkest corners of a... In the deepest pits of your search boxes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we hope that you've enjoyed this discussion. Uh, if you haven't checked out Angel's Egg at this point, definitely do. It's well worth it. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>